This is Dr. Dan. I want to mention a name, Dr. Greg Brannan. I want to mention it again so you don't forget it, Dr. Greg Brannan. Like Dr. Ben Carson, Greg Brannan and his brother were raised by a single mom in a working-class neighborhood in south-central Los Angeles. His mom set an example of hard work and determination. Dr. Greg Brannan was the first member of his family to go to college, earning a scholarship to the University of Southern California, where he received his Bachelor of Science degree in 1982. Dr. Greg Brannan received his medical degree from the Chicago Medical School in 1988. Dr. Greg Brannan performed his OBGYN residency in Los Angeles County, USC Women's Hospital, in 1992. Dr. Greg Brannan was a clinical professor at UNC Wake from 1992 until 1994 before opening his own OBGYN practice in Cary, North Carolina in 1993, more than 20 years ago. As a Christian, father, and devoted husband, Dr. Greg is involved in coaching his children's athletic teams, was a chartered family member of Cary Christian School, is a leader in men's Bible study for over 14 years, and he has traveled the globe on Christian and medical missions in Africa and Central America. But I ain't done yet. With a patient network of more than 20,000 built over his 20-plus years of compassion and trust, Dr. Greg Brannon is one of North Carolina's leading voices on health care, he has experienced firsthand a healthcare system in disarray. Strongly committed to the sanctity of life and practices his OBGYN specialty to comply with his Christian beliefs. Dr. Greg Brannan is an ardent defender of our Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Dr. Greg Brannan is a candidate for the Republican primary for U.S. Senate against Richard Burr. And that's why we're talking to Dr. Greg Brannan today. Dr. Greg Brannan is my close friend, my brother in Christ who defends morality, and my brother in arms in the defense of limited government and individual freedom. It is indeed my honor and my privilege to support and endorse him for the U.S. Senate in the North Carolina GOP primary this coming March. Dr. Greg Brannan, welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum and Freedom Forum Radio. Dan, thank you. Thank you, listeners. And uh, I'm with you, brother. It's time. It is time, Dr. Greg. And so you're on. Tell me, why is it time and why are you the man for this job at this time? When you look at North Carolina, I've been honored when we ran last time. It came very close to uh, forcing uh, you know, the other progressive, Tom Tillerson, to run off in 2014. So I've traveled this wonderful state of North Carolina. I mean, we have just sheer beauty. We have phenomenal resources. But we have a history. We have a history of first in freedom. We were the first colony to declare independence from England. You know, our, our founders were very suspicious of the United States Constitution at the very beginning that we overwhelmingly said no because they were concerned about men manipulating the words until Washington became president and Madison got the Bill of Rights. We have to understand and, and tear that back in part about what's in our DNA, what's in our fiber of who we are as North Carolinians and Americans. And right now we hear these catchphrases. 
you know, bipartisanship, crossing the aisle, compromise. All those are a words of rule of, of men. See, we are, America is based upon Judeo-Christian beliefs, based upon the God-given natural rights, the rule of law. And we have to understand an American experiment. But, but Dr. Dan, here's the key. America will never fall from outside. We'll always fall from within. And right now we're being attacked in the most insidious, insidious ways. Executive orders, judicial activists. And picture a Congress. Forget writing the bills. They don't even read the bills. But they make sure to exempt themselves and their friends. Sir, that's tyranny. We must stand up and understand that the American experiment is based upon the individual. We're made in the career's image, not the collective. I believe it's going to happen. And I think that you are the right man for the job. You know, you put on an incredible campaign when you ran against Tom Tillis. I was aware of everything you did. You traveled this state. You articulated the issues absolutely perfectly. And this is a year where we are seeing people outside the establishment challenging establishment politicians like Tom Tillis, like Richard Burr. Those people have not been the friends of freedom. They have not been the friends of limited government. And that's why I am so absolutely overjoyed when you announced that you will be challenging Richard Burr in March. Well, I, I appreciate it tremendously. I mean, I warned that Mr. Tillis, who put Obamacare state exchanges in North Carolina, you know, we know about his toll roads. We know about his first bill as United States Senator was amnesty. You know, he funded Planned Parenthood. He... We, we know those things, right? And Richard Burr was his mentor. I mean, let's think. Richard Burr likes to call himself conservative. Let's, let's, lax, let's, let's define conservative. I mean, he increased the debt ceiling nine times. He funded Obama's executive amnesty order. He has open borders. He funded Planned Parenthood. He funded TARP, $800 billion to his private banking friends. And Forbes magazine said the money so far is actually closer to 14 trillion dollars of our hard labor, our income, taken from us and redistributed to bankers. That's not conservative, sir. And it, it, an interesting thing, he's also trying to tout his, his intelligence committee chairmanship. I mean, is it intelligent that he actually slips in a, the CISA bill to spy on you and I, but yet he will not look at open Facebook on the San Bernardino uh, of tragedy there? He, um, remember when Ghazi was? Benghazi was getting arms shipped to the moderate jihadists in Syria. I mean, it's insane, sir, that this is that we should actually even look at the situation about the, he's making us weaker with open borders and getting involved in civil wars. We should not be there. But here's the thing about this on the, that really gets you with our military, our best of us. What have he done for our VA, our vets? We have over a million vets waiting, waiting over 18 months to 24 months to even be seen by a doctor. And we have over 700,000 on the no-treat list. This is, this is, makes us weaker and destroys the American, uh, you know, fiber of who we are. We're going to show his record, sir. We're going to show it clearly. I've been fortunate enough in my career that I deal with life and death situations every single day. Uh, pressure is not mad. Look at what happened last election. I would not endorse the progressive Tom Tillis. The Republican establishment is our largest foe. I stood publicly and said, no, I believe what our, what our Constitution is about, and I'll not vote for lesser two evils. I'll do the same thing here, sir. We're going to replace. Because what is voting for Richard Burr? It's Einstein's definition of insanity. Do we want to invite the, the, the circular reasoning of, of, of 
doing the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. We don't need North Carolina's Lindsey Graham or Jeb Bush reelected. It's time for servant citizenship to have courage. Well, I, you know, I absolutely agree with you, and I think that again to be, to say this again, that's what we're seeing this year. People are finally getting angry. In you know, when you ask, uh, like Haley, Haley, uh, the governor of uh, of South Carolina, talked about the anger, and and she was really dealing with uh, directing that at Donald Trump, but Donald Trump accepts that. He says, yeah, I am angry. And the real answer to that is, I'm angry about what's happening to our country. I'm angry about what these people are doing to our country. The real question is, why aren't you angry? What is wrong with you when you see the destruction of our morals, the destruction of our nation? Why are you not furious? That is the real question. I agree. I mean, our founders got angry enough to go to war against the greatest empire the world's ever seen at that time because the tax burden was 1%. See, we, we lost the fiber to understand. This country, right now, right now, our income tax, President Reagan found out during the Grace Report that our income tax that they steal from us does not even go to run the federal government. It goes to pay interest on the debt that they're increasing astronomical, astronomical debt. So again, Richard Burr increased the debt ceiling nine times. It's $18 trillion, and our unfunded liabilities is $220 trillion. My question is, what have the Republican establishment done, the Washington insiders, the liberal media, what have they done other than beat up the American fiber of who we are? They're, they're progressive collectivists, and that's not what we're about. The sanctity of life, sovereign borders, the rule of law, uh, charity, that's America, the many ones. And, sir, I'm telling you, it, I, I feel it. You know, I'm going to be in Asheville at the uh, Residence Hotel tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We're bringing our town hall. We're doing a Concord carry. We have three weeks for the next seven weeks. We're going everywhere to speak about this, this great, wonderful state and this great, wonderful country. But, sir, we have to expose. Again, I'll never attack Mr. Burr personally, ever. That's, that's their job to attack me. I'm looking at their at their policy at their action, because if I practice or you practice medicine the way they practice their constitutional, it's worse than malpractice. It's malfeasance. It's actually criminal. Well, you know, being a nation of laws is what we always have thought ourselves to be. But in the past eight years, or even longer, what we've seen is an erosion of that very important part of, of America. When you have a president who flaunts it in your face that he is going to use executive orders to do things that Congress won't agree to do. That is blatantly unconstitutional. I cannot understand why Congress, as a unit, is not standing on its toes and screaming at the White House. Why is I, that not happening? Because I believe, as exposes, they're all progressives. There are two parties. There's the progressives, the elitist, the, the collectivist, and just us please. See, here's the thing. An executive order is unconstitutional unless, unless, it all is supposed to do is streamline the executive branch for decisions. It cannot make law. So if, if what Senator, what Senator Burr called the dumbest idea he's ever heard was actually exposes his ignorance to the Constitution, when Senator Cruz said, defund Obamacare, that is literally our founding fathers' actual words they said about the power of the purse. The power of the purse is in the House, therefore in the people's hands, 
And here's the, here's the place that anything is unconstitutional, the House's responsibility is not to fund it. So when Obama has an executive order, we just say no. Where, why, where is our state legislators saying no to this and, uh, with the Tenth and Ninth Amendments? And where is our, our ambassadors, Senator Tillis and Senator Burr, doing their oath? They don't honor their oath. They honor their K Street lobbyists. They honor their import, export-import bank. That's what they're honoring, sir. And that's why it's so important that the servant citizen, you, me, our listeners, understand the reason we're in this position is because we've abdicated our role. And that's why I'm so excited, because the answer is in the mirror. Once we decide to act free, we'll be free. Because liberty is worth the vigilance to fight, because it will never be given to you. People always want to enslave us. So that's why it's so important to understand these core principles. We can go over, you know, over, look, he would rather, this thing called cloture and filibuster are very important. That's why I'm running for the United States Senate. Cloture is a policy where in the U.S. Senate, if you vote for cloture, if you, if you vote yes in cloture, you've just eliminated a bill that needs 60 votes to pass down to 50. So what he does is he classically will vote yes on cloture and then no on the bill. But if he voted, if he stood for his principles, if he had them, if he stood for the, the rule of the Constitution, he'd never vote yes on cloture on the First Amendment or the Second Amendment. His great example was about four weeks ago on the omnibus bill. He's touting he did not vote for it, which he did. But what he did was he had the sister bill to a 2009-page bill he secretly wrote together, stuck in this place, that literally spies on you and I every day. Every day. So he voted, he put his amendment on the omnibus bill, and voted yes to take it to the floor, and then voted no on the floor to say, hey, look at me, I'm some fiscal conservative, I voted no on this bill. That's hypocrisy, and we're going to expose and show it. You know, the, the Founding Fathers really vested all the powers in the states, and I know that you understand this. The states really were supposed to be the ones to determine constitutionality of anything, not the Supreme Court. It never is in the Constitution for the Supreme Court to be sitting up there deciding what's law, what's not law, and what's constitutional, what's not constitutional. It really was meant that the states were to decide whether what the federal government was doing was constitutional, because that is where the power vested, and each state did have the power of either interposition or nullification or secession, whatever one of those three worked at the time, that is how they were supposed to voice their disapproval of what went on on that very limited little functions of of government that the federal government was supposed to do. When that fails, when that fails, we have to look to Congress at this point to, to take those steps, and this Congress has failed miserably doing it. Even well, with, sir, you know, so the, go ahead. Yes, I, yeah, you go, you go. I, no, I, I was just going to say, even with, with, with majorities in both houses, the, the so, so-called conservatives have totally failed to do what they should be doing. That's why we need people like you there who will stand up for the Constitution. I know you know the Constitution word for word, and you will obey it, that you love it because you believe in it. Right, I believe that... This is why, I don't want to sound, you and I need to get nerdy sometime, but this is why it's just core principles here. It's either we are a republic based upon the rule of law that's written in our Constitution, and all that does is reflect our declaration. Our declaration says we are endowed by our Creator with certain other rights, among those life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. The only legitimate role of a government is what? The consensus of the government. You and I make these rules that are based in God's natural rules, not to influence, not to put, uh, that I put power over you or vice versa, and we have a free society. See, when the individual is free, society is at its best. And that's why right now we have a rule over us. We're, elite, we're electing kings and queens and elitists to say, you know, good little sheep will get in position. And that's why, see, this is why we see everything that's occurring is because the federal government has usurped its power and has broken its chains. And who holds those cha- who's supposed to hold that together is our representatives at the state and federal level. I look that I'll be our ambassador who will go to D.C. and say, no, this is what you've committed to. Here's the oath. Turn back and tell our legislators, now stand up. We have the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. We have the Article 6, Clause 2. We must stand up and be free. Because North Carolina, again, they're the parties of the contract. They're superior to the federal government, other than the functions of Article 1, Section 8. This is so clear, sir. But as you know, the progressive agenda over 140 years ago took, took charge of the academia and the school system to dumb us down on purpose. And that's what they've done. That's why Common Core is an abomination. That's why federal government involved in, in uh, education is an abomination. We have to understand that position and, and take it. We have the answer. These men and women have not upholded their oath. Therefore, they're ignorant of it. They must be replaced. Or they're liars. They better be replaced. And I believe, sir, this, this new... I mean, I am the outsider. You know, I was in our state, the guy speaking and holding accountable the Republican establishment. That's why the Republican establishment hates my guts, because they want to keep smoke and mirrors and fool us that they're the party of life. Yet Roe v. Wade was actually given us by five Republican uh, Supreme Court justices and states that advocated their role. They want to think they're for education, yet they've never defunded the Health and, uh, Department of uh, Education. And look at Burr's response. Obamacare. Him and Corburn and, and uh, Orrin Hatch put their own unconstitutional government at the federal level force to literally make you buy uh, health insurance. And this is important, Dr. Dan. You and I know this. What they're doing is they're making you and I and the average American buy a product from a private company, a health insurance company. Uh, the average American, roughly 10% of their annual income is going for health care coverage. Not care, coverage. That is, that is complete tyranny. And this is why we have to set the state and say no more. There are ways we can do this constitutionally. There are ways that with the state and power, it's just we need men and women like the Lees, the Crews, the Pauls, the Amashes, the, uh, the, the Joneses, the Masseys, and say no more of this. And, sir, I believe being the outsider, being a non-politician, and proving my courage to stand up against the establishment and my courage to prepare in life in this situation, I will be honored to be our ambassador because I know at home I'll have millions behind supporting me. You definitely will. I mean, there's no question about it, especially out here in western North Carolina and rural North Carolina. We're a conservative state, uh, and we look to our leaders, uh, the people we elect, to uphold those conservative values and act on them. When, they, when we send them to Washington, if they don't act on those conservative values that they promised us, they're really, they have been lying to us. And we know it, and, and that's why we're angry. That's, that's true. And this is why it's so important, because they, they want to tout, he wants to tout his, again, his Senate, Senate Committee of Intelligence or his foreign policy. When you read a foreign policy of Madison, of Jefferson, of Washington, of, of Dwight D. Eisenhower, of Senator Taft, these are great, good, old Republican, conservative, 
liberty lovers, right? They warned about entanglements and warned about having open borders. See, that's why we need a sovereign country with sovereign borders that are protected, not these, not these immigration states. Not, it's, not, it's not a concern because it is. It is a concern. We must tighten up our, our, our borders. It's unacceptable. At the same time, is, sir, this idea that we can spy. Madison said, America will fall in the guise of fighting a foreign enemy. Madison and Washington were the only two presidents as commander-in-chief that took the, sorry, took the battlefield. These men understood this stuff. And, and then when you read Senator, and then you read Senator Taft's writing, and you read General Eisenhower's writing, they are quoting Madison and Washington and Jefferson. See, what is wrong with our bold, conservative liberty principles? Reagan ran on it with a landslide. But today's so-called leaders, they are scared. Because I think what's happened is we're exposing their progressive agenda. They, they've increased the size and scope of government. He's at everything, everything possible to weaken the American dream. And, his, and the idea of not, uh, of not having a solid currency, the idea of taking our money under force to give it to private entities, the export-import bank, 60% of money goes to Boeing, that welfare is killing us. This is not the representative we should need in Senator Burr. I believe in a servant citizen who understands pressure and will never cave. Well, you know, you've mentioned open borders, and what I see is that both parties in Washington were complicit in not closing our borders, each for their own reason. And yet this open border policy is part of those who would have us be one world government, one world type of collective type uh, of governance on earth, as opposed to individual countries, which is why we're downplaying, our, our government is downplaying nationality. The feeling of spirit of patriotism is going away because it's being forced to go away. That is wrong. And that is anyone, wrong, 100%. So. 100% wrong. And, and anyone who, who served in the military, who put on the, who proudly salutes the flag, not only do they need to be taken care of, but they are the ones who understand probably more than anyone else how important it is to maintain patriotism and a f- feeling of national spirit. And that's what makes the American creed so wonderful. It's, a, it's many one. And see, here's the thing about it is, you can come from anywhere in the world legally into America and become an American. Because an American is not in your, in your blood when you're born, but it, but it creeps into our bone marrow of freedom. You know what I mean? Of freedom. And that's why I hear, you know, they want to scare us with ISIS. Let me, get, let me back up on this. It's really important. If ISIS is such a problem, and I agree it is, then why are our borders wide open? So here's what you do. In Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, you declare war, okay? You declare war on this place. And the way to do it, too, is we don't fund ISIS's allies. We don't help Saudi Arabia and Turkey fund ISIS. See, this is the problem is we're trying to pick the best of the worst guys in that area. And i tell you one way that could actually help us in that situation very clearly is if America, who's been blessed with the greatest natural resource the world's ever seen, become energy independent. In 1978, uh, when, when uh, the Department of Energy came involved because we had 30% of oil from the Middle East, we have to do it. Now, now we have the Department of Energy, and we have 70% of our, of our energy coming from the Middle East. When we can do it on war, we, can, we have shale, we have natural gas. We have this president who's being actually helped by Senator Burr and the moderates, the Republicans, shut down coal plants, not allow drilling. See, this is where we have to understand in the state 
and private property owners must stand up and say no to this tyranny. Because when, when America is energy independent and our dollar is backed by gold, we'll be the harbor of the Republican and liberty loving that we will actually have this the example that Washington talked about, the example that Reagan talked about, but a true ideal of a great republic is, a republic is other countries would want to emulate that. That is the American experiment. That's John Quincy Adams. That's Senator Taft. That's Senator Goldwater. That's Ronald Reagan. That's what we need to do again, sir. You know, you mentioned uh, people coming to this country and glad to be Americans. I think that's such an important concept. One of the things that really makes me angry is this concept of hyphenated Americanism. Mm-hmm. You and I both know that for for decades and decades, centuries, when you came to America, what you wanted to be was an American. When mm-hmm. my my grandparents were legal immigrants to this country over 100 years ago, they had only one desire. They didn't care where they came from. They wanted to be known as Americans. No hyphen. They don't care. Right. And, and that was when America truly was what it was called a melting pot, because you came here and you became an American. Right. What these people want today, not these people, but what the government wants today is it wants America to retain its individual uh, from wherever they came, the hyphenated Americanism, so that they can divide people into nope. groups. And that, I agree 100 percent, and that's why that's why the United the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce spent a million dollars attacking me in support when I went out against Tom Tillis, and I'm sure they'll do the same thing going after Senator I'm going after Senator Burr. See, they don't want this idea that uh, America is a special place. They want to have cheap labor in here that is the saddest thing in the world. Seventeen percent of our new jobs are now for immigration. We have HB1 visas that Burr has increased on of engineers to get cheaper labor for multinational companies. He supported TPP, 5,524 pages that puts the American sovereignty under multinational uh, companies. This is not free trade, sir. This is complete regulated trade that destroys the individual dream. And that's why I said, see, I wonder, I wonder this, with an approval rate of 9%, I see why Senator Berman, I want to debate me on these issues. Flat out, one-on-one, me and him go over these issues and defend his record. Period, and defend my record in supporting life, supporting the uh, my my idea of, of a business. And I warn people that the healthcare systems will be broken up and destroyed because of his lack of leadership by calling the constitutional plan to get rid of Obamacare the dumbest idea ever. But again, I'd love to see him. But you know, he has no backbone to defend his record. What he'll just do, him and his Schumacher, was attacked personally. He's just just like they did when I when I pushed Tillis to the hill. I mean, because they know they have no answer on this. Because if I asked him how many articles of the Constitution, where's your authority here, he'd, he'd laugh. In, in, in Thomas Paine's uh, book, A Right of Man, uh, he wrote in 1791, he says it is normal that the American senators and congressmen, when they're discussing a bill, would pull a Constitution out and point to the article, to point to this clause in the section, to say where they believe or not believe in it. Today, they use the, to- they use the Constitution less than toilet paper, sir. And that's unacceptable. And I want to expose his record. When it comes to things like medical care, what do you think would be the best system for us? How would, we, how would you, as a physician, uh, fix the issues uh, of medical care in this country today? I wrote a paper on this in March of 2010. And it's, it's, it's on a, a group called the ORS for Liberties on my webpage. It's, I, wrote, I wrote this eight-page paper on what we just call Healthcare in America. I'm sure it's out there in the, in the world. 
And I went over to the philosophy of healthcare, the difference between the Hippocratic Oath and Plato's idea. Plato's idea was the collective is superior, so you let the, you let the sick die off. Hippocrates believed that we were made in God's image, uh, and therefore treat everybody special. Completely different value, right? So that's, that's first off. Is if you look at the government involvement, our government today is Plato, well, we're, re- we're replaceable, except they exempt themselves. Let's not forget that. So I went through the idea of that. I said, okay, now how can we get a free market healthcare system, which is the best we've ever had with purest free market, which are not now, as you know, we're regulated to death. In North Carolina, when I wrote this, there was about seven to nine health insurance companies in North Carolina. At the same time, sir, there's roughly 267 health insurance companies across America. The Commerce Clause, which is Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3, says to make commerce regular. That word means there'll be no hindrance across state lines. So what if all 267 came into North Carolina to compete for our dollar and, our, and, and, our serv- and their service to us? Quality goes up, prices go down. And also North Carolina has this lobbyist control garbage in Raleigh that if you and I want to go open a hospital, we have to go to the government and get a thing our certificate of need. That's central planning, Soviet Union style. So if you get the monopoly in your area, you're rich. But who suffers? The patient. So that was my paper. And I walked through it saying, Article 1, Section 8, we talked about defunding it. That's the core principles. Free market, not today's cronyism. True free market, true capitalism lifts more boats. And that is what we have to do, sir. And that, but you know, the problem is those in power, they want to have a government where the government picks them as the winner, then they beat their, then the government uses their power to crush their competition. But every time competition is crushed, be it international trade or local trade or regulations or currencies uh, or current trades, what happens is the individual, the consumer suffers when true Austrian economics proves when the consumer's in charge, everybody prospers. So, again, we've come back to the economy, uh, and obviously there are things that should be done to make our economy grow. The economy growing at a 2% rate is anemic. It will not get us out of the recession we're in or early depression or whatever you want to call it, whatever you put a name on it. Wages are stagnant. The economy is not growing. More people are sitting around out of work uh, than ever before in our history. So, 98 million out so, of the workforce. So what do we do? Real simple. This is where it's important is anytime a government makes a regulation of law, it kills the free market, okay? So let's back up a couple things. Our founders went through a hyperinflation period when they built, where they started printing money, not backed by gold. Go to the Continental. We heard all about that. So they, when their very first bills they passed was called the, 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 uh, the Coinage Act of 1792. Because in the Constitution, it says the government... Because it controls the weight and measures, and if the go- and if the state allows any currency, it must be backed by gold and silver. So from 1792 to 1913, our dollar, your grandma, your grandpa, put our money in the mattress. It grew at a 17 percent rate over 120 years, backed by gold, good as gold. It was fantastic, and the coinage act declares exactly how much gold, how uh, how much uh, a silver per coin, and the ratio of one to set 15. Using that allowed the America to the biggest boom ever. From after the Civil War to, 18, to 1900, our economy grew. This gets to 66% per decade, per decade, all right? So we have, that, we have that proof historically that shows that. So what happens is, you, you know, our bankers push through this idea of a false fraud, uh, false, uh, fraud on gold, 
And what they do is they take gold standard off. So they have a quasi-gold standard. So from 1913 to today, our dollar is worth 98% less of its value. Since 1971, when executive order Richard Nixon fixed off the wood standard, it's down 85%. When you got the dollar backed by true gold that actually will stop welfare and warfare spending and constrains it, then the economy could move on real dollars. Right now, we're fiat currency. Everything is digital. When, when you hit a fiat currency, when you're the first person to get that digital currency, therefore you have the, pi- the buying power to buy up assets. When it trickles down to you and me, it's destroyed. So I think that's the first thing to do, and get rid of regulation. We must get rid of regu- regulation. The, the, uh, the Dodd-Frank bill, I read every word of the 16 articles. They have the power in there to literally take care of, uh, confiscate any business they deem necessary. Sir, that is Soviet Union centralized planning. That's fascism. That's not America. We have the answer. Let's be bold with this stuff. That we believe in the individual. We believe in the free market. Well, isn't that what the government has been tending toward anyway? The progressives want that. They want collectivism. They don't want us to be America. They want us to be some form of America with the name maybe somewhere there, but they want us to be a collectivist society just like Karl Marx envisioned. That's why they took over the school system in the 1840s uh, and throughout now, because once you've took care of the education system, then you have generations to do what? 15,000 hours of K-12 model of compulsory education to educate them into the collective model. That's, a, you, that's Dewey's exact words, who, by the way, was in the authors of the, of the uh, Humanist Manifesto. So this week, when you read their words, when you read Dewey, Skinner, and Thorndike, and you read their words, who are all anti-behaviorists, we're all atheists, we're all humanists, you see their plan come to vision. You saw Woodrow Wilson. The, the professor of Princeton, the president there, his goal is to have two forms of education. The classical model for the elite to lead us sheeple, and us, the K-12 model, to be good worker bees. This is why I believe our founding generation's parents were the greatest generation of all time. They raised their children to dare to ask what. See, America, sir, we have to understand in our fiber who we really are. We are the ones who came from around the world, who came here, and they did what? We're the explorers. We're the pioneers. We're the ones to dare say, what if we have a government based upon the individual of the collective? Let's see what that would do. And oh my gosh, sir, we had the American dream. That was amazing. We still have on principles. I still believe America's best days are ahead because we messed up with slavery. We messed up with women's rights. So when you take our, when you take our declaration applied to every single human being, this is the words of Frederick Douglass, it's the most freeing documents ever other than Scripture. So we're going to have a time when we're all going to be judged in the mirror. We're going to have an equal opportunity, not an equal ends. When that time happens, sir, with a solid gold-backed currency, with, with limited regulations, with um, real free trade, and we let the American ingenuity go, sir, oh, my goodness. I mean, look at Tom Tillis. He got 21.5% of North Carolina must spend their money in green energy. Why is that? As Nelson Dollar said, he said, oh, that's because us Republicans invested in this kind of energy. That is, that is, that's unacceptable. And that's what they've done. They literally take our money, our power to make themselves rich. They got to expose that. And Richard Burson at the federal level doing the same thing has to be exposed. Because where are our protectors? When they took the Constitution, I really want to ask them, where in the Constitution is that? They didn't know what that means. So let me ask you this. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the global warming crisis or climate change? What are your thoughts on that? 
complete scam, sir. Complete scam. I, I, I we homeschool our little girls, and my little six-year-old said, "What a beautiful system God did. Plants make oxygen; we make this carbon dioxide. That is so beautiful." And it's like little six-year-old. It's common sense. So here's the idea: we know the climate, uh, the climate warming is a scam. When you and I were in the school, I think 1976, 77, Time magazine, front article, new ice age, new ice age. All they use are these things to do is to corrupt and control the system, that there's some crisis going on, then they could tax us to death. Now, here's the ultimate scam of this, sir. What is now being taxed? is carbon. It's carbon. What are you and I made out of? Carbon. It's literally a United Nations, a government, a world tax on us breathing. But then they exempt themselves, and then they make money on the exchange and sell carbon. You look at, look at these people. They're hypocrites. They have more carbon footprint, Al Gore, Obama's friends at the exchanges, than anybody. And at the same time, it's, this is why it's important to understand very, the Agenda 21, sir, is a real deal. And what is an attack on? It's an attack on private property. That's Rousseau's idea of the French Revolution, greater good, where there is no private property. America, George Washington said, you know, without private property, we're, we're laughing at God's eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. Without private property, there's no need. There's no need. For government and the most important part of our property is you and me. So it's a tax on humanity. They despise humanity. We love it because we know we're made in the Creator's image. And I'll debate them scientifically on this anywhere, any day. And that's why it's important to have, to have true, true people that are prepared to understand that and be and, and, and not waver, sir, because it all comes down to one one thing. If a government, local, state, or federal, infringes on Dan or Greg or Mary or Bob's freedom, it's illegitimate. Period. Well, I have often said, and it's been my my passphrase for for a long time, and it's simply this: the right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated or regulated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. That I is, can't agree more. I can't agree more. That's beautiful, Dan. And you know that that comes from uh, our founders, for instance. They understood that to- the totality of a person's private property was his land and his home, his possessions, the work of his hands, the ideas of his brain, and his life itself. And you find that that, that came directly from the Ten Commandments because four out of the Ten Commandments directly deal with private property. Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and thou shalt not kill. Those four uh, of the Ten Commandments deal directly with that concept of the the totality of a person's private property. And that's the basis of freedom. I agree 100%. In fact, that's what uh, Washington was talking about when they were talking about discussion of an income tax. And Washington said, he goes, the answer is clear, the Decalogue of God, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. And I said, Robert Yates wrote in the Anti-Philosopher 5, uh, uh, under the pseudonym of Brutus. He said, if the government, any government, ever has the power to tax your income, and he said, at the federal level, we'll have armed federal agents coming to your house, taking your property, and putting you in jail. And look at the power of the IRS with Obama. Look what they're doing after conservatives like you and I. And look at the power to confiscate. You're guilty until you're proven innocent. See, the federal government has enough money in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, under excise duties and imposts, that collects right now about $1.8 trillion. If they ran a constitutional government, that is all they would need. They do not need our money. They keep our money so that they stay on top. They have their trustee, they have their trust, their elites, 
They are exempt with, with uh, uh, capital gains. You and I are toast. That's why I say no income tax. The income tax is just what you said. It's a, an attack on the most important thing, the four of the Ten Commandments. You cannot steal, period. We, while we allow this, that with our discussion is, okay, do we keep 60% of our money or do we keep 70% of our money or do we keep 30% of our money? It's all of our money. That's why it's important to understand property and understand the idea that private property is the crux of the American experiment. Well, the work of your hands is what generates your, your income. The work yep. of your hands, the ideas of your brain, that is the essence of your income, which is why our founders said no income tax. It was part of the Constitution because they understood you are taxing a person's private property, his, his ability to earn his income. That's what you're taxing, and that is do not steal. That is directly from the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and the Constitution, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4 says there is no direct application tax. That's exactly, you just stated that right there. And the 16th Amendment does not, does not throw that one away. But I would do, sir, here's another interesting thing, too. These alphabet soups, these alphabet soups, the IRS, the EPA, the Department of Education, the Bureau of Land Management, none of them are in Article 1, Section 8. Where are our lovers of liberty that say they believe in this stuff? Why aren't they defunding it? And more importantly, sir, why are the states being capitulated to actually do that? Why do we give our money to state level to the federal government ask for it back under another executive order by Richard Nixon? We have to understand these things. We must get in there. Justin Amash today is actually in the bill in the House to actually uh, repeal the CISA bill that Burr put in. That's the kind of people we got to get in there. And then we can articulate that message, talk about freedom and liberty. Either we're going to do this. We're either going to, in this election cycle, we're going to elect another, again, another Lindsey Graham or Jeb Bush or McConnell. That's what we're going to elect, or an opportunity to elect a Cruz, a Lee, or a Paul. Who, who does North Carolina want to represent themselves? Who are they looking for? What do we believe? That's why I want people to know the inner fiber and our history our history of North Carolinians who are first in freedom, first to declare independence. That is who we are. When we, when we decide to be that again, the revolution of ideas occur. But you know what? The establishment is scared of death. Because look, we, everything we're talking about, sir, they've exempted themselves from Obamacare. They exempted themselves from inside trading. That is tyranny. That's unacceptable. Well, they consider themselves as the the ruling class to be above us all. It's that concept, is that socialism is for the people, not the socialists. And that's and, exactly what we're suffering from now. I, I agree. And, and I want to think of some of this. Senator Burr is the head of the Intelligence Senate Committee. That's what he's the head of. Why has he decided to say that Senator Cruz may have told secrets in a debate but yet we know a, a criminal named Hillary Clinton on her private email server has actually had secrets stolen. Why is he not investigating that? Why is he not doing that? See, that to me is either, it exposes who they really are. Because I want to know, again, why is it intelligent to spy on Americans, but not intelligent to you know, keep our borders secure as the Constitution says so. Well, that's really it in a nutshell, isn't it? What you're saying, I mean, really, what you're saying is why America is failing. 
It's failing because we have a ruling class that thinks they are so far above the rest of us that they exempt themselves from every rule, every law, every obligation that they then cast down upon us. And you that's know, why, that's why I'm so excited, Dan, about this election. Let's look at Cruz, Paul, Carson, and Trump. They really are outsiders. I understand Senator Cruz, Senator Paul, Senators. I understand that. I know they, they're really only first Trumpers. Trump is outside the business. Uh, and again, when he stirred things up, and Dr. Carson just, you know, world famous neurosurgeon. Okay, got it. So they're outsiders. And again, what has this class of politicians proven? It's proven they believe in the rule of men, not the rule of law. So the outsiders are here. We're there. And the great part about America is it's run by bakers and doctors and moms and engineers and, and some lawyers and farmers. That is the servant citizenship that we need. We do not want an elite class. That's not America. In fact, the Constitution, you can't have no nobility. It says it there. So what we need to do is understand, understand that the sovereign, the sovereign made us in his image. We are the source power here because of him. When we stand up and say no more, therefore, I, mean, I know, I know it wasn't exactly Orwell's Pope, and he's been stated that Orwell wrote this, but it is in the, in, the, in the ultimate day of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And that's what we're doing, Dan. We're telling the truth. That's why one of Gandhi's quotes is, what they're doing to you and I is, first they ignore us, then they ridicule us, then they fight us. And that we're in the third stage right now. They're fighting us. The fourth stage is we win. We have the truth. We know two plus two is four. We know private property is the core of, health, uh, the, the core of, of, of a true good government. We understand that regulations kill. We understand all those things. And those in a nice and open debate will win the day every day. We do got to fight the progressives. We've got we to fight over their, their brainwashing of, of multiple generations. But the truth will ultimately win the day. And that's why I, I hope that he gets a backbone and challenging me one-on-one in a nice debate. None of these fraud liberal media guys. It's a nice one-on-one debate, and we go over these issues. Because we want to see who's best prepared to make life and death decisions, which I do every day, and not waver on principle. I hope you get that opportunity. Because that really is something that where you will show as a shining star against Richard Burr. Uh, what are you doing to try to make that happen? Well, right now it's great because we're just booming. I think we, have, I think we doubled or more than doubled on Facebook that he has. Uh, you know, I, I think in the first two and a half weeks of, of, um, of our race, I think we had close to 1,500 or 2,000 donors already. We had these town halls that are just, they're, I'm just blown away at the response. And again, we, now don't forget... Tomorrow in Asheville, the Renaissance in, in Asheville, we're having, uh, and I'll be honored you're going to see it in there as well, we have a little town hall. Well, well, you'll talk, other people will talk, we'll talk about these great ideas and I'll answer questions. So, again, I believe what's going to happen, same thing with Mr. Tillis. We got ahead of him in the polls that he had to debate us. Now, the difference, with, the difference in that race was there were so many other people, but 57% voted against the establishment. This time, I think we have a good, a good one-on-one uh, in this race that we have a great opportunity to have this fight with him. Because I want to get... Are we going to continue the same old, same old and be Einstein's definition of insanity? Or are we going to try something new, like try the liberty, try the Constitution, and, and tie the hands of these? Again, what, what do you call people that, that take money from you inside trade and make themselves prosperous? That's thievery. You have to stop that. So how about some of these other issues? Are there any other issues that you would like to address that we yes, haven't talked yes, about? Yes and no. And what I mean by that is, 
I, I was asked this on Mr. Beck's show, and, and, and I said, you know, hey, what are the key issues? Of course, Obamacare, open borders, amnesty, TARP. Yeah, no, I understand all that stuff. But the core of every single issue is it's because the federal government has actually overstepped its bounds. So if, if you want to discuss, if you say, okay, what issue? Well, quite like education. Well, where is education at the federal level? It's not there. So, boom, get rid of it. Where is this Bureau of Land Management that's destroying our western states and taking rid of private property and, and, and destroying individual you know, farming land? But it's not there. See, that's why, in fact, in the Constitution, Article 4, Section uh, 2, there is uh, the federal government going on lands for, for ports and forts to not to have territories like this. So that's why it's so important, sir, that I don't want to get caught in the, you know, in the minutia looking at all different issues. Let's back up and go, okay, what is a legitimate role of government? And if it's not there, then we get rid, we get rid of it. Now, we can't just do it overnight. I understand that. But we could do it pretty quickly in the election cycle if you get an ambassador like me in the state, and then I, our state legislators get a, grow a backbone and say, we're done funding issues that are not Article 1, Section 8. The moment the backbone and, and Raleigh and Jones does that, we have this state could be a republic that could be an example for the rest of the state. Well, that's what you say. When we're first in freedom, uh, then that's really we should stand up. And, you know, part of me says, you know, there's really no hope of this happening. And then when you people like you are running, when people like like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul or, and Ben Carson and, and Donald Trump are running, you know, I, and I see their success and I hope your success as well. That's what makes me have hope again. Because well, let's go to this, Dan. Thank you. I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you, but there is a great example, too. Remember Matt Bevin in Kentucky, a friend of mine? He got hammered by McConnell and the establishment. He still got 40% of the vote against a guy who spent millions against him. One year later, Matt said, Matt said that's it. I want to make the Commonwealth of Kentucky an example for the state. He won in an overrode over landslide. I think it's going to happen the same thing here, because it's so fresh in our memory. Tillis' voting record is probably the best thing for Greg Brown's campaign. I warned everybody he'd vote in front of Planned Parenthood and Obamacare and Amnesty, and he'd done it, just like I said. So it's fresh in their mind what a progressive will do. Plus, his mentor is being it was Senator Burr. So we're so fresh in it, and seeing Matt overwhelming win as the governor is phenomenal. And I think that's why I'm excited. But it, it reminds me of an analogy of my, of my work. You know, I'm an OBGYN, I do high-risk public surgery, and, and when blood's flying at a delivery, and blood's going everywhere, and 25% of the cardiac output's going to the uterus, and the baby's heart goes down, in those times of chaos, Dan, as you know when you're, when you're doing eye surgery, you don't panic. You fall back on your 20, 30 years of training, of your experience, on core foundational principles, natural rules, natural laws. What do you do with, with an artery? You, you clamp it. You know, what do you do with a, with a nerve? You protect it. See, we know our principles, right? And I believe right now we're in that same time of chaos. And I've proven I can do this under pressure, and we've proven the last cycle that I know the material. So now I'm gonna, I know the material. I'm going to be in the position. Again, last cycle, they came after me because I would not endorse a progressive Republican. And I said I'll never endorse a progressive Republican. And they tried to hammer me, hammer me all they could. at haunt them, and it didn't matter. I'm not going to waver. So D.C. is just an example of that. I'm not going to be wavered by this kind of stuff. I will stand at the test of time because I've done it in private practice. I've done it in, my, in traveling the world doing mission work. And I've done it by these, uh, the Republican establishment attacking me. But more importantly, I know the support I have. 
everybody back home wanting freedom. Well, that's what the support you do have. You have people like me and people who listen to Freedom Forum Radio and people who understand what freedom is all about, understand the Constitution. We are yearning. We are begging for. We are pining for someone like you to be our advocate for constitutional republic government in Washington, D.C. We don't have that. We don't have that. We don't have it now. We have the opposite. It's killing us. Well, I'm going to ask your staff, Dan, uh, basically five things I'm going to need. So obviously I can't do this alone. And, and, and you've been so kind to be on your show and your great listeners. And you see, I get very passionate on this, but I really need people to go to our gregbrand.com, our grassroots campaign. We are a grassroots campaign. I'm just representing us. We're serving citizens. I love them to go to our Facebook. I think we're at 80,000 now. It's booming every day. We have all, we made about 18 videos we're releasing that are showing who we are. And they're on our webpage and on our social media. Number three, generously donate. You gotta have the, we have to have the arms to fight this guy. Number four, Tell five or ten, twenty of your friends. Everybody has an influential network. Send us, send us material to them and let them make a decision. And then come to one of our town halls in Frisbee State one-on-one. And the fifth thing, if they're a believer, I would love them to pray. I, I would like wisdom. That's what I need to do and uh, protect my family. Uh, but, Dan, it's, it's us blinking arms and, and agreeing that we believe each individual is special. That is our core principle. That's going to win the day. There's no question about it. And, and number five is really what I want to emphasize. And one of the things that's so fantastic about you is you are an OBGYN, which is really the front line of one of the most important moral battles in our country today. And that is to protect the lives of the unborn. They are being murdered. And I know you feel that way, the way I do too. Yep. And you you are actually, in your, in your profession, in OBGYN, you are right there on the front lines where this is happening. And I, and I really commend you for your stance. I, I, I really I pray for you every day. And I understand how passionately you are there to protect the lives of the unborn. Oh, you make me cry. But, sir, I wrote a paper called No Life, No Liberty last year. It's on, uh, it's on a page called OrganizedForLiberty.org and the Liberty Vault. All my writings are there. And I went through the idea of how we get rid of, the con- how we get rid of uh, abortion constitutionally and do it immediately. It's not a long process. But that, that tells me that's so important. But I really want people to understand, when we're asking for money to run our campaign, let me tell you how much little we need. $10 will get 10,000 views on, on Facebook and Google stuff. I mean, $10 gets 10,000 views. We're not gonna, we don't need the millions to make a lie. We just have enough money to have to expose. Uh, I think our campaign video has been seen by 300,000 people already. I released another video on who Greg is called Principles about two, three days ago. I see it's viewed by about 60,000 people. It is really, it, we want to get to the people that know who we are. So again, we don't need bazillions. All we need is people to get in, get in the fight, because all of us have a part here. Either spread the message, volunteerism, a few dollars, spread our webpage, telling your neighbor. Because I hope we, what we do is we motivate other people, you know, like, like uh, Patty Kearns, who's running, running against Virginia Fox, to run. That's a beautiful thing, to see Patty get involved, to challenge another Burr-type person in her 5th district. We've got to do this. When you ran, it's, it's, you hope you motivate people that understand that it is, a, it is a legislator, a civil government, based upon you and me. And if we don't get involved in helping people or being the people themselves, what happens? That vacuum is being filled up by technocrats and bureaucrats 
who love central planning, who love progressivism, and will devise a way. Because look, at right now, our re-election of incumbents is the same rate as the Soviet Union and its heist elections, which we knew were frauds. That's, that's sad on our part. Let's get involved. Let's join the team. And I hope to see everybody tomorrow. And, and we'll shake hands and answer any question you have tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And our webpage has all the information. Thank you, Dr. Greg Brannon, for being my guest again on Freedom Forum Radio. It is always not only refreshing and informative, but it is incredible to listen to your infectious, passionate defense of and support of the Constitution, moral law, uh, a country of laws. I am going to do everything that I can, and I urge my listeners, go to gregbrannon.com. Join his Facebook. Please donate. Help him because we need people who believe in the Constitution to protect us in Washington, D.C. Dr. Greg Brannon, thank you so very much. Dan, thank you. God bless. Again, I cannot thank you enough for your prayers and your, and your unbelievable support. And uh, I can't, I'll see you in about uh, 24 hours, my friend. You got it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.